The following audio was recorded during a meeting of the Department of Offense. It is not suitable for children, the easily offended, or anyone with actual taste. You have been warned. Jane Goodall motorboating a gorilla's floppy milk. I would make a lot of rectangles. I could never do squares right. We all had to put pants on this week because you're here. And now it's time. For the Department of Offense. Welcome to episode 93 of the Department of Offense. I'm your host, Casey. Joining me as always is Carlos. Once again. And nobody else. Do you know what's really special about the about uh, episode number uh, 93? Huh. Absolutely nothing at all. <laughs> You're right, Carlos. There is nothing exciting. Last week was our second year anniversary, though, which was an amazingly fun show. Uh, I think it was one of the most fun shows we've had in a while. Was it? I had a lot of fun. You had a lot of fun. It was definitely one of the drunkest shows we've had in a yeah. while. Usually I don't cut loose with that much alcohol. That's I true. I wasn't actually that wasted. No, right. not until later. No. We drank a lot of beer that day. Yeah. I Well, I bought three 12-packs and, um, and like the two bottles of sour. You brought a 12-pack, right? Yeah. And I think we maybe have... Eight beers left. <laughs> Eight or ten beers left. Plus, we had the kegs going, and there was a lot of alcohol flowing. And the bowl of candy is half gone. Well, all the good candy's gone, though. That's true. Cause also, got- I, although, granted, the next couple of days I came down here and grabbed a couple handfuls. <laughs> Not of the good stuff, because the good stuff was gone. Yeah. But I grabbed a whole bunch of. I like, don't. Is is all the good stuff gone? Well, yeah. There's no good laffy taffy. Oh, like there's banana. There's laffy skittles taffy. in here. Like as much as I like. I'm, and then suckers. The, I, there's I, literally nothing else but skittles, banana laffy taffy, and suckers. You know, I like banana laffy taffy. All right, but I like it in moderation. I don't want want only banana laffy taffy. I want I want to have some flavored laffy taffy, and then oh, have some banana laffy taffy yeah. to you know cleanse the palate. Yeah, man. All of the candies just disappeared. So, Carlos, what have you been up to this week? Not too much. I have like a, f- I want have off of a McDonald's uh, burger or something. I had a f- free month of Hulu, so I've been giving that a shot. The, oh, cool! It's all right. I'm not a f- big fan of the ads, but they're yeah, not- that's that's the that's the only thing that's been keeping me from pulling the trigger on Hulu is the stupid ads. I don't want to pay for something like and it's then- not too in your face unless like I start trying to watch some clips from. Uh, Tonight Show with, oh, okay. or, not, or and some other things. And like It actually played an ad before those. And like It's a five-minute clip. I don't need an ad for that. Are you sure, Carlos? I feel like you need an ad for that. I don't know. There's a Visine for that. Probably not. Are you sure there's not a Visine? A Visine that? that blocks ads? No, it's a Visine that causes ads. Are you sure you're not talking about AIDS? <laughs> I a Visine that causes about AIDS. AIDS. I could be talking about AIDS. Uh, I went to Common Man. They had a uh, like a soft. It's it's not like kind of a meet and greet type deal. Yeah. And they had a press conference earlier in the day. A press conference. Yeah, I did not. I did not go to that. Uh, what you should go to the press conference. I know I should have gone to the press conference. I've never gone to a press conference. Have you ever gone to a press conference? No. Before? I really wanted to go, but I had to work. It was at noon. You didn't have to go to work. Like you could have just said, "Hey, I have to go to a press conference." 
Isn't that the best way to get out of work? Right. How do we get press passes to things? I think that's a thing we should start doing. I don't doing. think that Common Man Brewery would have required a press pass. No, but I want I want to wear a fedora and then put a little press ticket in it. Why can't you do that now? Like, there's nothing stopping you from... Yeah, but I want that it. press ticket to mean something. Well, people are going to assume that you're either a member of the press or... or an asshole. Or maybe, like, mentally challenged or something, <laughs> but... <laughs> And either way, if it, if but if I think, bring my camera, I look legit, right? If, right? They, if they think you're mentally challenged, they're not going to stop you. <laughs> it's true. And if you're pressed, you're supposed to be there. Yes. So, all right, I guess that makes Grant, sense. Granted, I don't think that press people have to do that at all. <laughs> put anything in their hat. No, they have just press badges now. Yeah, they've gotten rid of the hat tag, which is sad because I like the hat tag. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Uh, <laughs> I. Uh, Anyway, so they, they had, like, the lieutenant governor come, and there was a whole... Lieutenant or, governor of what? Of Wisconsin. Really? Yeah, of, of... What do you mean, of what? Well, maybe Ellsworth had a lieutenant governor. Uh, no! <laughs> That's not how governors work. I don't know. No, yeah, no, the lieutenant governor of Wisconsin came. Is there, like, only one big lieutenant governor? Yeah, there's... No, there's just one. It's the governor and the lieutenant governor. I don't think they have a herd of lieutenant governors. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's it's like the vice presidency. They, they just don't call it the vice governor. They just go to beer openings all the time? Sure. But granted, if I was a lieutenant governor, that's what I what, would do. I mean, you actually don't have any other responsibilities. Yeah, except, that's exactly what I except would Except not die. Like, yeah. not die, drink beer. I think that, especially in Wisconsin, that has to be all the lieutenant governor does. Eat cheese? Yeah. While drinking beer. And anyway, so they had that, uh, and then... At from five to seven, they had like an open house type deal for everybody to come, and so I got there about quarter after five, and uh, they haven't they haven't started renovating the space yet, so it's it's just an empty building. But they had uh, like a table set up where they were. Wait, they haven't even started brewing yet. No, they they're not going to be able to brew until. I think I think he said February of really? this next year. Yeah, they're going to open up in January. Actually, there's going to be an interview next week that you can listen to, uh, and you get all of the information. Uh, but yeah, so when they had a table with like some with six or seven commercial beers, so I just worked my way down the table, tasting all the beers because that's what one does. And they had an entire array of cheeses and sausages. And some crackers, so I ate some cheese and crackers, and then they had cupcakes. Did I did you, not. I did, did not have eat a cupcake. all the cheese and crackers. No, I didn't. There was a lot of cheese and crackers. You know, I'm just gonna cut you off for just a moment before you yeah, can go, get back to it. But uh, there was a uh, somebody I know had a had somebody die in their family, and then they had a a wake, and some people from work they uh, they went to the wake even though they really should not have, <laughs> and they ate all the cheese and crackers. Oh, they they drank all the apple juice. They ate all the eat the cheese and crackers. And the reason they went downstairs was because. Uh, like the, the the wake was upstairs, and like they they had the food, all the food and drinks downstairs, and they were upstairs, and like one of them, like there's a picture board of like all the uh, pic, just of all the pictures of the person who died, and one of them stopped and took a picture of the picture board, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so oh my god, I was asked why he was like, just making memories, it was like. So yeah, he was uh, that guy was being creepy there. And why were they at the wake? Well, because uh, did they even their... know the dead person? Yeah. Well, no, they know the dead person. They knew the, they knew the uh, person like those the person uh, her boss. It was their boss's uh, 
uh, father that died. So they should not have been at that. They wake. should not have been at the wake. No, <laughs> no. Like one of them didn't even know what the wake, what a wake was when he was there, and he asked, "So, what am I supposed to do?" Oh my God! No, you don't go to a wake if you don't know the dead person. And uh, so, uh, the husband of uh, Glenn, he told them to uh, go downstairs, like that. Hey, they, like he was saying, hey, there's like food and drinks downstairs. Probably trying to say, go away. And so they drank all the juice and ate a whole bunch of cheese and crackers. So yeah, it was a. Uh, oh my God! It sounded like the most awkward thing ever. Oh. <laughs> Shit. I, th- they should not have been at that way. No, they should not have. <laughs> I I can't really say anything other than that. Yeah, that's Alright, uh yes, no, so they had a what, hang on. I got what in the world? Text message. Oh my every time the YouTube thing throws out a foreign name of something, Miles needs to text it to me. I'm like, dude. I know it's a problem. You tell me every week it's a problem. Just let it go. Wait, wait. so it like sent out another foreign name? It sends out a foreign text every week about the broadcast. Is it like a different language every time? I think so. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I've Googled around. I can't figure out what's wrong. So if any of our listeners know how to fix that, please let me know. You can try contacting YouTube itself. I, I, need to, I need to contact Google or YouTube. Like, this is a weird thing that's going on. And I need to fix it. So, uh, anyway... That's neither here nor there. Back to Common Man. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I hung out, uh, met a guy who works for a newspaper, and gave him shit for working for a newspaper. I'm like, you realize five years tops. Does the newspaper <laughs> put their articles online? No. Then, yeah, you, you're right to make fun of him. <laughs> He's like, my boss doesn't want to put it online. I'm like, well, that seems silly. That seems just like a terrible, what terrible newspaper? thing. I can't say. You don't know? No, I know. Oh, I'm did. just. I'm not gonna say because you don't want to support your local newspaper. It's not my local newspaper. Somebody else's local newspaper. Yeah, I'm not gonna. No, because I'm giving them shit. Ah. I don't want to say. I'm not gonna say. Uh, but anyway, that no, it was, it was a great time. And then uh, Rick showed up, and we were talking about you know the viability of a restaurant yeah. in in Ellsworth, and we're like, you know what? Let's go check out another restaurant and see you know what the offerings are. We're gonna go grab a bite to eat. Well, we found three fast food places that were still open. Granted, this is six six thirty seven ish. Three of them. So what was that? McDonald's, McDonald's, Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen, and Subway. And we're like, we want to sit somewhere where we can grab a beer. And the only other food offerings in town are bars. Yeah. So we're like, okay. We ask. Uh, we we see it. We see a guy, and we we stop him and be like, hey, where is the best place to get a burger and a beer in town? Yeah. And he's and he points us to this bar called Just Cause. Like, just, and then K-A-apostrophe-S. All right. Yeah, I know. Uh, so we go in, and, you know, we, we we wave at the bartender or whatever, and we sit down, and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah we'll get you a waitress over there. 20 minutes later, a waitress shows up. That's right. 20 minutes, no beverages, nothing. So we sit down, and you know, twenty minutes a waitress shows up with with menus, and she's like, "All right, you know, I'll take your drink order." And so we each get our drink. She comes back ten minutes later with two bottles of beer. Took her ten minutes to get two bottles of beer, and then we put in our order. I order. Uh, Rick and I both ordered hamburgers. It's you know standard there. Yeah. Took us an hour and ten minutes to get our hamburger, 
And when we got said hamburger, there was craft motherfucking singles on my hamburger. You can't do that. And it was Ellsworth. And, and it's for- Ellsworth. Cheese, cheese curd capital of the world. Some of the best cheese you've ever had or coming uh, ever had is coming out of that creamery. Yeah, there's a yeah, a creamery. I was gonna say a cheese refinery, but yeah. It's called Let's a go creamery. With creamery. Yeah. <laughs> No, refineries are where craft singles come from. <laughs> and, and there's craft motherfucking singles on my on my uh patty mount. And it's and it's taken an hour and 10 minutes for me to get this stupid burger. So I'm I'm pretty hungry at this point. And I bite into it. I ha- it has craft singles, canned mushrooms, and onion on it. I I don't know if the onions came out of a can or how you how you get cheap onions. I'm not sure, but they were fine. Uh, she didn't bring us any napkins, ketchup, salt, pepper, none of that, or silverware. And this is kind of a messy sandwich, and I bite into it, and it's salty as balls. Oh, my God, saltiest hamburger I've ever had. It's like they just were like, oh, this needs seasoning, all the salt. And so I bite into it, and I'm like, oh, God, this is super salty. And I'm like, okay, so now the fries will be salty. Nope. The fries are borderline burnt and no salt whatsoever on the French fries. And there's no salt on the table, so I can't put any salt on the front. I was just so disappointed. And so, yeah, we didn't get out of there for, uh, it took us about two hours by the time everything was said and done. It was so disappointing. But if Common Man can do okay now, (laughs) they're going to kick so much ass. Ellsworth never really had fantastic restaurants. I know for a while they had a, a pizza place that had a pool they, table. Yeah, I think they still have the pizza place. I don't know. Like it's been, I know it's been shut down at least once. I think twice. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Nobody really puts any effort into anything in Ellsworth, it seems. And I feel like even downtown, there should be at least one of the bars. You should be able to go get a decent hamburger. Yeah. It should be a thing that you can just do. At any in any town, there should be a place where you can go and have a meal. There was a diner that that apparently mysteriously mysteriously closed about a month ago. Just no reason. There's been several diners that yeah. have just gone shut down. Yeah, it, I I don't know what it is. I guess nobody goes to. I know at least one of them got shut down to be replaced with another bar because that's what they needed. Yes. Yep. That's generally what happens. And there's already so many bars. But yeah, so I feel like they were. Common Man is going to do really well. I think I'm done ranting about <laughs> <laughs> about all the terrible things that happened to be in Ellsworth last night. Just oh, so bad. Uh, just a few announcements before we move on to the beer and the news uh, today. At the uh, for the second half of the show, we have an interview with uh, Scott. I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm just going to let him do it during the interview. Uh, from 65 Vines, uh, which is a local winery uh, here in River Falls, just outside of town. Uh, the first winery in St. Croix County, I believe. So it, it was a fantastic interview. He was really knowledgeable about wine and all that, and because he should, because he's a venter. Uh, and next week, we'll be talking with Russ from Common Man Brewing, which is the brew pub opening up in Ellsworth, which I just spent 15 minutes talking about. Uh, if you have any feedback on this show or any of our other shows or you have any show ideas, go ahead and email those to feedback at blindnewsstudios.com. And just a reminder, the Department of Defense is live every Saturday. And next week, I won't be here. So that'll be a whole different ordeal. Yeah. All right. So we have beer in front of us now, Carlos, right? Yes. We have, uh, what is it? 
Wild Sour Series. Yeah, so yeah. it's uh, it's from Destill uh, Restaurant and Brew Works in Illinois. All right. Uh, don't know much about the brewery itself. It's a Goza. Uh, comes in about 5% ABV, which is a sour-type beer. And I'm really ex- Have you tasted it yet? I have. Uh, I like this, actually. What do you like about it? Uh, well, well, I taste it's it. It's actually sour, so... Uh... I see also, like, on the can, it says that it was brewed with coriander and sea salt. You know, I think I'm getting a little of that sea salt on the tongue. Yeah, so on the the end there, there's definitely a salty, like, like almost like you're drinking salt water type deal. Yeah. Uh, And so on Homebrew Bound, Miles brought in a Goza that he made, and it was too salty for me. Like, it, it wasn't bad. It was just too, like, it would have been... Good to use as like a brine or something. Uh, it, uh, it's episode three or four of Homebrew Bound. Go check it out, uh, and you can hear all about that. But this one, the salt seems more subdued, yeah. and there's a good just like sour pucker to it. It pours with a nice you know foam head that dissipates fairly quickly, and it smells just tart. It's really tasty. I find. Uh, I think it's one of my. Uh, Ooh. I think it's really a sour that I prefer compared mm-hmm. to us. The, since we, I, I've been drinking a lot of sours lately, and yeah. this is one of the better ones for sure. Yeah, it's called Here Goes a Nothing. Uh, all right, uh, here's the here's what it says on the on the can. This traditional uh, Leipzig style uh, goza undergoes a spontaneous fermentation similar to Belgian style uh, goose uh, or lambic beers. And exhibits a complexity of acidic flavor and aroma contributed by wild yeast and lactic fermentation. Lemon, lime, and other citrus-like qualities are present in aroma and on the palate, which is balanced by the spicy character of added coriander and a mineral mouthfeel from added uh, sea salt. Cheers. Yeah, if you see this on the shelf and you're a sour fan, I highly recommend picking it up. Yeah, it really is. uh, Like for just some random uh, beer that I saw on the shelf that I grabbed, it was really fantastic. How much was the four-pack? Ooh, do not know. I think it was like eight dollars. I just want to say that because I think my total came to fifteen dollars, fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, I, so I, it was probably, I'd, I'd say probably twelve, because you just picked up a bottle of Petrus, right? Oh, yeah, and it's only four ish. Yeah, so probably about twelve bucks for a four pack, which for a goza, not bad. Um, yeah, I I really like this beer. Good, easy drinking sour. This would be great on. Like a hot day, I yeah. think, just because it, it's slightly refreshing. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I would I actually. I'd drink it anytime, just because. Yeah. I, I highly recommend picking it up, especially if you're a fan of sours. It really has just the great amount, uh, the right amount of like sour pucker to it. Like I just uh, that's why I have a problem with like a lot of uh, like other sours that just like they're called like they're, they're still like a sour beer, but they don't have that pucker to it. Yeah, like, that, the one kind of, in my you, in my point of view, it was like that defeats the whole point of it being a sour beer, right? It's it's more they they go for more like the fruit sour, like yeah. the cherry or whatever, because we've had a few of those. No, this one it it has that 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 lactic acid that gives it that nice sour sour, and it's not too much either. So it's no no, and I've had ones that where you know it's just it's too sour and you yeah. can't drink it. This would be good. With something like slightly fatty and rich, like a good, uh, hmm, like some some poutine. This would be great with poutine, French fries, gravy, and cheese. 
That sounds like a great combination. <laughs> wait, wait, what kind of French fries are they? The American kind or the uh, the the? I suppose yeah, they're just they're regular. They're, they're 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 just regular French fries well, with get, cheese curds and then gravy. I'd rather have like potato slices. Yeah, I've I've had that. Uh, Patty Ryan's they have a poutine with the uh, with oh, chips. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's amazing. <laughs> And they just dump a whole bunch of gra- oh man no on gravy. You know it's pretty cool though. The spear also comes in a can. So yeah, uh, dude, you could have sours while floating down the river in a tube. Oh, you could. <laughs> <laughs> and it has the has the sea salt in there, so you could close your eyes and pretend you're at- on the ocean. Yeah, and then raw man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think. the Department of Offense presents News with Casey. That's right, boys. All right. Uh, police in Kentucky pulled a, pulled a couple over on a routine traffic stop when they noticed that the woman in the passenger seat was wearing an I love crystal meth t-shirt. So they took a chance, and lo and behold, she totally did love crystal meth. Oh, wow. They found 3.37 grams of meth in a set of digital scales in the vehicle. Both were arrested for trafficking in a controlled substance in possession, and now she has a mugshot where she's wearing an I Love Meth t-shirt. What are the odds that somebody wearing a shirt like that is actually has In love with meth? It's insane! It doesn't make any sense. Here, I thought they were trying to be... They would have been, like, ironic or something. (laughs) They ironically like meth while doing it. Good for them. Man, this this sour is so good. <laughs> With the two of us, it's hard for me to drink and do the new <laughs> a little yeah, bit of dead air. Yeah, it is. I apologize, guys, but this beer is so good. You would understand if you were drinking some of it. Uh, Massachusetts woman, uh, Katerina Froyo Chaput. Uh, she's going to be Katerina for the rest of the story. Was arrested for assault with a dangerous weapon on Wednesday at an American Legion. Apparently, Katerina was refused a drink by the bartender, so she did the only reasonable thing and hit the bartender. Pulled out the bartender's dentures. Wow. And then threw a beer bottle at said bartender. Uh, Katerina told police that the dentures had been planted in her pocket and the bartender was having an affair with her estranged husband. I guess she really wanted to nip that one in the bud. Get it? Because teeth nip. So, wait. So this, uh, how old was she? That say? Uh, 35, 37, something like that. So this bartender had dentures already and was having an affair with her husband. Oh, I I don't know how old the bartender was. I think think the bartender was closer to 50 or something, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just like, how does... How do you get your hands on the dentures? Like, you just reach in there just... (laughs) Without them biting down... (laughs) You're just like, nah. Like, they just fall out when, like, out of surprise? I'm just, I'm picturing, like, a Mr. Miyagi type deal where, when you can pull the dentals from my mouth, <laughs> you are the master. And then she just pockets the dentures, like, really? She's what are you going to do with the dentures? <laughs> Put them hostage. They're hostage dentures. Uh, Joe Lentini was out for dinner in Atlantic City and decided to go to Bobby Flay Steak at the Borgat Hotel and Casino with two friends. Uh, Joe says he's no wine expert, so he asked the waitress for a recommendation. The waitress recommended a bottle of Screaming Eagle Oakville 2011, which when asked the price, she said thirty-seven fifty. Okay, you know, 
Yeah. Somebody says thirty-seven fifty. You think thirty-seven dollars fifty cents? Joe, not being super rich, took that to mean thirty-seven dollars and fifty cents. However, the real price of the bottle was three thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> that is a stupid amount for alcohol. Yeah, right. Uh, Joe was able to get the restaurant to agree to a discounted price of $2,200 because they had just drank said bottle, thinking it was $37.50. But that's still a shit ton of money. Uh, The restaurant says that both the waitress and sommelier verified that the patrons wanted that bottle. Okay. Maybe they're like, hey, is this the wine that you wanted? Yeah, that's, you know. Are you sure this is the wine that you wanted? You realize, like, that's... $3,000. $3,000. No, I, I don't think that came up anywhere in the no, conversation. No, I don't think so. Like, that's, an, that's an insane amount of money for wine. Yeah. Like, just a, a stupid amount. Yeah, $37, I'll pay that. I'll pay 37 bucks for a bottle of wine at a restaurant. That doesn't seem super terrible. I wouldn't. I don't like wine at all, but... No, but if I was going to buy a bottle of yes. wine, $37 seems reasonable. Yeah. But, you know, you're spreading it between three people. It should be fine. Not a big deal. But $3,000? Almost $4,000 for a single bottle. That's not, like, that bottle better blow you for that (laughs) amount. Ah, I just, oh, man. Uh, Authorities in Amsterdam are seriously pissed. Apparently, the Royal Palace in downtown Amsterdam has become somewhat of the place to urinate publicly since 2011 when they finished a multi-million euro renovation that added some dark arches that provided a bit of privacy from the police who regularly patrol the vicinity. Wait, where is this? In Amsterdam. This is going to be a question. Where the hell is Amsterdam? Really? You don't know where Amsterdam is? It's Holland. Holland. Yes. You see, I'd never picture Holland as anything at all. I don't even if I if I had a list of a bunch of countries in Europe, I'd probably forget about Holland. Why would you forget about Holland? What is there to know about Holland? Why do the Dutch hate why do you hate the Dutch? I I don't hate the Dutch. I guess you just don't even care. Are about the, the Dutch, Dutch even from Holland? I didn't know that. Yeah, the Dutch are from Holland. They're the those Where the, did you think that the Dutch were from? I don't know, Germany? Why would the Dutch be from Germany? I don't the know. The Germans are from Germany. The Dutch are from Holland. Why can't the Dutch be from Germany too? Because the Germans are from Germany. The French are from France. The English are from England. Where are the, the Dutch are from then? Holland. Right? Where are the Dutch totally from? Makes sense. Right? What? They're from multiple countries. The Flemish are from Belgium. I, I don't even know what a Flemish is. A Belgian. Why aren't they just called Belgians? Because Belgians speak Flemish. That doesn't even sound like a language. <laughs> I don't think you're making that up. <laughs> I'm not making it up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think I'm making that up? That doesn't sound like a real language okay so where did you think amsterdam was i don't know canada maybe (laughs) (laughs) did you really think it was in canada it could have been i don't know okay what here's here's, all right so holland when you think of holland what do you think of denmark (laughs) all right how about uh, windmills okay windmills and what's 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 the big flower in in holland because now now i'm curious it's not a fucking sunflower. It's a tulip. There's tulips in Holland. Oh, is, is uh, Holland the place with the wooden shoes? Yes, the clogs and the dikes. What? You don't know about the dikes in Holland? <laughs> <laughs> not those dikes. Oh. <laughs> the the giant, like, they, they keep the, most of the country is below sea level, and they keep the ocean at bay. So, wait, so you're saying that Holland is not, like, really full of lesbians? 
there could be a fair amount of lesbians. I don't know about the sexual preference of the majority of Holland. Right. I'm sorry, but there are a lot of dykes in Holland. <laughs> Damn it. So the non-lesbian dykes, they're, what, dams? No, yes, they're dams, but they're called Why don't dykes? they just call them dams? Because they're dykes. What's the difference? One keeps the ocean at bay, one blocks a river. Well, they could still be called a dam, either way. But they they don't generate electricity. So wait, so the whole country is under would be below water without the not the, the whole country, but a lot of it. That sounds like kind of dangerous. It's a terrible plan. Like you know, you know how uh, New Orleans, a lot of that was below sea level. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like that. Like I mean, I suppose they don't have to. Wor- they probably don't have to worry about hurricanes there on like what the Mediterranean. No, oh my <laughs> God! Do you not even know where it's located? <laughs> Fucking balls. So it's not located by Denmark, then? Yes, it's located by... Do you not know where Denmark is? By Norway? Okay, yeah. And you think those are on the Mediterranean Sea? I suppose it's... I have... uh... There's a sea called the North Sea? That's the one that they're kind of on. (laughs) Because the Mediterranean is down by Greece and Italy and... Mediterranean. <laughs> and so, now we have geography with Carlos. So was uh did Beowulf take place in Denmark or Holland? No, I think isn't Beowulf a uh that's that's a like a Norse. Well, I don't story, know about right? I don't think it's Norse, no. I thought it was like Viking era. Well, it might have been that era, but I don't, it wasn't a Viking story. I thought it was. I thought it came of like Iceland or Greenland or some bullshit. It was it's like that's why I was wondering if like cause that's like in the same area, right? Iceland and Greenland. They're completely different. <laughs> they're those are islands away from mainland Europe. Oh no no not they're no I'm not I'm sorry I was thinking about uh, Norway and the other place that's ne- right next to Norway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Iceland and Greenland. Yeah, those aren't even close. I know that now. <laughs> Yes. I know which ones those are. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> Fuck. I give up. <laughs> Just don't know where shit is. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, you, when you said, like, uh, Amsterdam used the euro, euro, I was thinking, what? Why would Canada use the euro? <laughs> I thought it was, like, located in Quebec, and they all spoke French there. Why would okay? Why would Amsterdam be in? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Well, well I mean, I, well, like in that area, like the French-speaking part of Canada. No, it's they they speak Dutch, which is close to German, but it's not German. Well, why couldn't they? What's the difference? What do you mean? What's the? They're two different languages. But if it's close to German, why can't they just? I don't know. Speak German. Well, the Germans tried during World War II to force them to speak <laughs> German. And then we had this thing called Operation Market Garden and took it back. Why? No, why did we take it back? Because Nazis are bad? Well, yeah, I know that, but I'm just saying, like, why did we choose there? Like, what, couldn't we have just gone straight for Germany? No, I don't... I don't I'm not like, a, it's like, I'm not a general. I, isn't that, like, kind of a ways away from Germany? No, it's on the Rhine. Like, the Rhine goes through it, I believe. The Rhine? Is that a river? Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. In well, the Germany. river's full of dykes. Is that no? The, it's not. the dykes are on the ocean. 
So the Rhine does not have dikes. It's it might not have dams either. I guess it could have dams. It might, but then how can you sail down it if it has dams? Well, I'm not saying that you sail that. It's a supply route. Well, you can't really send supplies down a river if it's full of dams. No, but there's probably trains going along the river. And you can go across the river. There's bridges. Well, that's also important. You know, I don't think it's going to matter where Holland is because 50 years from now, it would probably be all underwater. I don't know. It's been not underwater for a long time. Well, yeah, but I mean, us humans are pr- really good at putting stuff underwater, unless, you know... We don't we, want it to go underwater. Well, I'm not saying that we're trying to do it on purpose. Okay. Matter of fact, according to some people in America, we're not doing anything. It's just happening. Okay, can I... Yeah, can I, yeah you, you can go on. I'm going to start the story over, because at this point... I don't remember where I left off. No, I don't either. (laughs) Okay. So authorities in Amsterdam, Holland, are seriously pissed. Apparently, the Royal Palace in downtown Amsterdam has become somewhat of the place to urinate publicly since 2011 when they finished a multi-million euro renovation that had some dark arches that provide a bit of privacy for the police who regularly patrol the palace vicinity. They put up a fence, but that didn't stop the peeing, so now they... are installing lights and motion sensors along with several signs that remind uh, people that public urination is punishable by a 140-euro uh, fine. Is that a lot? It's about 175 bucks. All right. Uh, if these deterrents don't work, they are contemplating putting in pop-up urinals that rise out of the ground at night and sink back down during the day. Only in Holland would you have, like, okay, they won't stop peeing everywhere, so let's just put urinals there. That's kind of awesome. It's kind of the perfect solution. I mean, they, and like during the day, they're underground. Yeah. That's awesome. They just go poop, and then during the day, they come up so you can pee right there. Actually, every workplace should have that. So is, uh, is uh, Amsterdam going to be like the new Italy like 50 years from now, like partially underwater? You realize Italy's a country, right? Well, not Italy, like that one city in Italy. Uh, Venice? Yeah. Well, that, not Venice, I don't think. Is it Venice? It's fucking Venice. The <laughs> one with all the canals? Yeah. No. It's not going to be like, is Amsterdam on the ocean? Yeah, I mean, it's on the... So it's, it, it's could coastal, be, it could, it could become be, like Venice. Well, no, but there's, there's there's already, you know, canals and stuff in Amsterdam. Oh, so, it already, so it's got a good no, start. No, it's then. not. <laughs> it's got a good start. It's very different. Okay. Well, for now, yeah, because it's not all sinking underwater just yet. Okay. I I don't I don't want to give you a geography lesson. <laughs> All right, Carlos. But I think I need to. Well, I'm what? saying I'm saying like it could like it could start sinking underwater too. I or I guess. personally covered. So it could be just like Venice. Cuz it, it has the canals already. Mhm. It just needs more water. I guess. Do so, you want do you want to go and knock down a dike? <laughs> They'll have to build those dikes pretty tall just to... Well, everyone likes a tall dike. <laughs> That's right. We have... Oh, man. I feel so sorry for Scott uh, that his interview is tagged onto the back of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he he you know, brings cultured wine to the table, and we're just like, he heat dike. Well, maybe there's other people who are listening who don't know where Amsterdam is. I don't is. think so. Pretty sure everybody knows where Amsterdam is. So, Amsterdam, home of windmills and wooden shoes. 
No, no, no. That's Holland is home of windmills, wooden shoes, and tulips. Why tulips, though? Because there's just a shit ton of tulips Why in Holland. Why would you even know that tulip is a flower of Holland? Because I'm Dutch. I'm Dutch, too, I think. I don't know. I don't keep track of those things. My grandparents are are like were born in Holland and em- immigrated. Emigrated. One of those words. Over. Probably immigrated. I don't think emigrates a word. I think it is. What's it mean then? I think it's leaving a place. I I don't know. I can't. I really... know. Or maybe it's not a word. I don't know. I'm gonna make it a word though. It means leaving your place of origin is to emigrate. All right. There we go. We got a word. Okay. Anyway, please enjoy this awesome interview with uh, Scott A. Because I have his name. Actually, Carlos, I want you to try to pronounce it for me. Hang on. Let me grab this card here. Oh, it's a nice card. Yes. Let's see. (laughs) Andra Zajek. I think that's pretty close. I'm I'm pretty sure I lo- missed a constant or two in there, but probably. Yeah. All right. So yeah, uh, enjoy that, and then we'll be uh, back at the end for a few announcements and feedback. All right. All right. I'm here with uh, Scott. Scott Andrejic. Uh from Sixty Five Vines. Sixty Five Vines Winery. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah. So Scott, why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, Sixty Five Vines before we get too deep here? Sure. Yep. Uh, Sixty Five Vines Winery is a, a family-owned and operated um, vineyard and winery. Uh, we're just uh, north of River Falls, off of Highway Sixty Five, hence the name. And uh, we've been in business um, since 2012, is when we uh, kind of started the business. Um, we have just under 800 vines of cold climate, uh, um, 800 grape vines that are cold climate uh, grape varieties, and uh, the main variety that we have is Marquette. Um, and we pretty much had a vision to take a old uh, horse pasture, horse barn, and kind of, you know, start our American dream, if you will, and um, have the vineyard established over the last couple of years, and then concurrently, you know, kind of uh, remodeled and retrofitted uh, uh, an old, old outbuilding uh, into a winery, a production facility, as well as a tasting room. Awesome. So you've been growing grapes then since 2012? Growing grapes on the property since 2012. Also kind of consult off the property to a couple other um, okay. vineyards or, or wineries. All right. Uh, is that about standard, like with when you're starting a winery to grow for a few years before you actually start producing? Or Yeah. Most people in the industry actually will grow until they have a viable crop, um, three okay. or five years. But we wanted to kind of get a little jump start and have people kind of taste wine as the grapes kind of mature, if you will. Awesome. Uh, so how, I guess, at two years, what's... Uh, What's different about the grapes versus five years? Uh, yeah, well, you know, at year two, the grapes are still pretty young. You're focused on uh, growth, uh, root development. And, um, you know, so we'd have to reach out and network uh, with our other wineries and vineyards in the area and, um, you know, buy some of their grapes, buy some of their juice and make wine. So that's kind of the difference initially. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So it's, all right. Um, and then you said cold climate grapes. What's like what varieties or what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Uh, cold climate grapes. There's been a lot of research. Most people are familiar with, you know, the apple, apple industry. Uh, the University of Minnesota has done a lot of research with that, with Honeycrisp and Zestar, and and so on and so forth. Um, they've also currently done a lot with cold climate grapes, where they'll take grapes that are, uh, um, you know, varieties like we're used to, Merlots, Chardonnays, and they'll over many many years be breeding them with the wild grape varieties that we have around here, that go around fence lines, and edges of farm fields. Um, 
and they'll pick out which ones are going to be the best characteristics for growing through harsh winters, uh, make the best wine, disease resistant, so on and so forth. So after their many, many years of research and trials, they've come up with varieties that they've patented, if you will. Okay. And, um, yep. Awesome. Uh, so are you guys the first winery in this area, like in like St. Croix, Pierce County? or? Uh, Pierce County has has a number of, of wineries as well okay. as uh, north of us to, to Polk County, but we're the first one in St. Croix County. Awesome. Very cool. Um, there'll be a couple more on our, uh, on our coattails, if you will, and that's great. You know, collaboration and, and kind of uh, creating a wine trail or wine buzz, if you will, in St. Croix yeah. County. So. Yeah, it seems like this area, the wine and the beer scene is really just exploding uh, just amazingly fast, which is awesome. Yep. Uh, all right. Um Though you had some issues with uh, River Falls getting permits or something, or was that with the county? Um, well, there's always just, you know, kind of a process, and more, a lot of it's just really just education and just, um, you know, enlightening uh, of, you know, local officials at the, the town township level as well as the county level, um, and really just talking about agri-tourism, agri-education. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're just out of the city limits of River Falls, and we're not mm-hmm. really in Roberts, we're not really in Hudson, we're in the town of Kinnick, so there's no other viable um businesses uh per se beside you know at home businesses yeah and there's not really any that had a liquor license so there was just kind of a lot of meetings discussion you know creations of ordinances fee schedules etc for if we give a liquor license to 65 vines winery how do we do it how do we make it fair for anybody else that wants to come on board and ask for a liquor license for any other type of business okay interesting yeah uh what are the what are like we we've heard a lot about beer laws and stuff like that, but we've never really delved into wine laws. How do they differ? Uh, are they good in Wisconsin? Um, you know, in working seven years over Minnesota, helping other wineries and kind of learning about the industry before we took the you know two years and kind of leaped over here. Um, they're different from state to state, and some are good and some are bad. Um, I, I would say the one thing that is going on is there's a lot of buzz in the state, and there's a lot of uh, progressive movement to look at laws of can we have miners in a winery for a vineyard winery tour and they're looking to kind of adjust and change things and so there's a lot okay. of good um, um you know a lot of good good changes to that as we go forward um the one thing that is a little difficult is the self-distribution um, piece and so we can distribute but we have to go through a wine co-op uh, one of the two co-ops in the state that we're kind of forced to go through because of uh some other politics and maybe bigger wineries on a nation level kind of worried about these little startups and eating up a percentage of their market share okay so. That's that's weird that you can't self-distribute. That seems a little backwards. Yeah, it, it is. It is, but you know, it's just kind of the nature of the industry. And so, you know, I can physically bring product to, let's say, you, the restaurant owner, but the restaurant owner has to pay said invoice to a co-op, and then the co-op gets a cut <laughs> and tracks how many bottles I sell to restaurant owner, and then you know, I wow. Get, so it, it, you know, everybody gets their their hands. Everyone, everyone's having a piece <laughs> of the pie, I guess. Yep, it's, and that's okay. That's kind of baffling. It I, is. I mean, but. yeah. See, well, I guess breweries were kind of in the same boat not terribly long ago. So, yeah. Uh, so, sixty. What kind of wines are you are you doing? I I personally don't know a lot about wine, so educate me a little bit here. Sure, sure. You know, as we uh, make wines this last year, or making wines this year, and actually hard cider because everybody's talking about that too. And why not? You guys are doing a cider too. Yeah. And so why not bring the the men out? Maybe who are more you know could do some cider, (laughs) come in with the ladies, if you will, or even ladies that like cider. So. Um, we're trying to make a whole spectrum of, of wines, um, from sweet to dry, white to red, um, and just keep it keep a basic, you know, a profile of that right now. Um, but all the all the grape, whether it's uh, grapes or juice that we bring in, it's going to be all cold climate varieties. So a lot of the varieties that people are used to, people are like, what, what's a Saval or a Vignole or a Marquette or a La Crescent um, or Frontenac or Brianna? So some of these new varieties, 
it's just we're just kind of playing with them. Some on their own, some are blends, and having fun educating people. Okay, uh, is there is there huge flavor differences with the co- versus like the cold varieties versus the warmer? Um, there sometimes is. It, it goes back to you know the, the summers we have, mm-hmm. the sun degree days, um, and so from year to year it could it could change a little bit. But at the end of the day, if we can make a, a quality product and it, people are used to tasting a Pinot Noir, and we have a Marquette that's aged and you know, full-bodied and, you know, has a little bit of tannins and a little bit of oak, and it comes out very similar than a home run to us, you know. Awesome. Uh, so what's your uh, background in the industry? How long have you been in wine? And Yep. So background in the industry, I've uh, been in the business for about nine years. And the two quick little tidbits I like to tell people, the stories of how did you get into this? Um, you know, Wisconsin boy, Milwaukee uh, roots, and went to Madison and got an MBA down there as well. Um, and I had a European experience, um, you know, three and a half hour seminar amongst all the business courses with a 19 year old student talking about wine, food and Lyon, France. And so it was like, <laughs> what? We're like mid twenties, upper twenties. And got some 19 year old kid who in our country back in the States is underage and he's talking about wine and mm-hmm. champagne. So quite a cool experience. But, um, the other, you know, neat, neat, uh, experience was, um, uh, St. Croix Vineyards uh, was one of my first few dates with my wife, and we were doing a pump pick grapes. You can drink wine at the time, uh, feed you wine and food at the end, uh, you know, kind of for your labor, work for yep. wine, if you will. And so um, that kind of morphed into the MBA entrepreneur. How do I get into this? So that's why I worked with St. Croix and volunteering at, at their vineyard and winery. We worked with Peter Hempstead at the U of M and some of the research just for a, a summer, and then kind of started out with a few wineries and vineyards over Malconia, Minnesota. And okay. So it's been a nine year. Almost a decade process before I make the, <laughs> made the leap and jumped on full time to try to do this ourselves. Awesome. And so is this the so the winery is it's I'm assuming you know you own everything. You don't have any investors or anything. Nope. No. Uh, it's just like I said before, family running. Um, my wife's the owner. I'm just the vineyard manager. And hey, the there you go. Maker, so <laughs> pass the buck a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. But there is no uh, there's no investors. Um, you know, we do have some different sponsorship. Uh, okay. Kind of some Kickstarter things that we can talk about later. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So are you guys doing uh, like tours and stuff now or? Yeah. Um, so this year and then in future years, September, October, November, we're open um, Friday, Saturday and Sundays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. And I'm uh, trying to do it by appointment only. So small groups um, okay. and just really focus on half the pieces selling the experience. Yeah. People love to come out, plant the grapes, pick the grapes, talk about agriculture, agri- edu- education, agricultural tourism, how you can collaborate with other businesses in the surrounding county and the counties. And then, of course, you know, taste the wine and the cider and maybe yeah. pair that with foods and meats from other local businesses in the area Very cool. and chocolates and stuff. So. Uh, so do you have a tasting room then or is it just? Yep. Yeah. So right within the same old um, you know, horse barn, um, some people refer to it as still, is, uh, um, there's the production side and then we kind of have like a little, uh, you know, plastic fence. And then there's the tasting room side. So you can kind of, inter- again, interactively see as we go through different stages of things, people can kind of, you know, see what's going on with our wine and the winery. Awesome. Yeah. So what's the uh, what's the winemaking process? Just you know, an overview of yeah. So the winemaking process, uh, you know, in general, grapes are are harvested in late August to September, maybe early October, depending on the year. Um, and then you know the, the grapes get get picked, uh, weighed, and then put through a machine called a crusher destemmer. So it's kind of a, a hopper auger type machine where it actually destems and, and kicks that part of the the compostable piece. Out and then there's a, a mash it makes, or they call it a must. It skins seeds juice, and so without getting too detailed, there's a white wine track and a red wine track and how that is processed. But but ultimately the juice or this must gets pressed, and then the skins and seeds are are 
separated out, and then you just kind of have a cloudy juice that gets okay. fermented. Um, and then over you know different stages and other steps, um, you know fermentation goes on in a matter of a couple of weeks to maybe a couple of months. And um, you know whites or reds again are sometimes in stainless uh, tank or oak barrel. Um, Do you ferment right in the barrel then? Uh, if you're if you're doing a barrel, some sometimes you could do like a secondary or malolactic fermentation okay. in the barrel. Um, kind of right. managing that way. Yep. Otherwise, do you like do you do any uh, like fermentation in stainless and then transferring to a barrel? Correct. Yep. Okay. Typically. Yep. That's All right. Um, what kind of yeast do you use? You know, there's a lot of them are, are just wine specific yeast. Okay. Or even maybe a, a slight champagne specific yeast to kind of get a little drier for going for a drier style. Um, haven't really jumped too much, you know, in thinking maybe with some of the cider that we're getting into, maybe we do more of a, some of the beer yeast. Okay. Uh, could uh, when, when you're looking at wine yeast, are you looking for something that's a clean fermentation or do you want some yeast character there? It really depends on kind of the great, great varietal and, and, and what that, you know, what our ultimate style is okay. that we may like, but also what the average customer is going to like. So if we make something that we like and it doesn't sell, then it's not really... That yeah no for sure so, for sure kind of think of what the customer you want to buy yeah, okay um, so start to finish how long does like say a batch of wine take like is it is it a years long process is it a few months um, you know for white wine specifically they could uh, you know crank through fermentation in a matter of a couple of weeks okay and you could be bottling probably late late spring so maybe April May uh, range and with a red wine it just comes down to you know ultimately what your your goal is for the product if you want to age it a little longer um, this you know for example this past year our Marquette our Caney River Red um, and I can talk about our naming of our wines and how we kind of tie them again to the local area at, um, but our Caney River Red is on oak for nine months um, so we thought it was kind of fun fun way to kind of bring some expression in the Marquette yeah. grape and get some aging um, but yeah um, what about uh I guess, are you worried about, like, contamination, wild bugs? I mean, you're dealing with, with grapes, which see, and are you, I mean, are you doing any, like, a lot of boiling? Or are you just juicing the grapes? Or Yeah, just, just juicing the grapes and really just um, everything's sanitary, sanitary, and cleaning it, um, being really, you know, really anal and real cautious. And, I mean, it's like, at the end of the day, it's a food product, and, you know, we're health, inspected by health department and mm-hmm. other um, things we have to follow. Um, so we're just real cautious on everything we do is real sanitary, real clean. Uh, real hygienic and uh, real repetitive, but you know, just make a great product yeah. that way. Yeah, I, I guess uh, dealing with fruit, I'm always worried about you know, like lactobacillus or something coming in and mm-hmm. yeah, with stuff. yeah. It's it's one of those things in the fall. It's, it's definitely a flurry. You have the uh, you know different forces of nature, if you will. Um, not not even including the weather, but just you know the, the bugs and the critters and the, and the birds and the deer. Um, so if a bird were to say pack pack some grapes, and then all this, there's natural yeast in mm-hmm. the air, there's natural fermentation going on, and of course there's the wasps that come out in August, September. There's the Asian beetles, and so <laughs> you're trying to pick a cluster or have family friends or volunteers pick clusters, and they're getting stung in their hand, and Asian beetles getting in, you know, the juice. You can just imagine the the off taste from that. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of uh, pre-sorting, if you will, before okay. it gets into the crushing. What's segment. the? Uh, I guess what's what's the pre-sorting process like? Is that done by hand then? Yeah, a lot of it's all labor. Love, <laughs> labor, love done by hand. Uh, some other uh, food and uh, you know um, uh, fluids to help uh, the whole process of yeah. you know, p- people. You can kind of beg, borrow, and come help, come help, please. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just pre-sorting on tables um, before it gets into any of the processing. Do you and then do you sanitize the grapes before they go into the juicer? 
Correct. Yep. There's a generally you'll put um, you know, certain levels of, of sulfites of SO2 to kind of you okay. know, kill the wild yeast to kind of you know stop any wild fermentation that's going to bring some off flavors. Okay. And then we'll try to have more of a controlled fermentation. Very cool. Very cool. Result. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about the naming of the wines then, since you brought that up. Yeah. Great. Um, you know. With tying everything locally, like I mentioned before, networking with, with businesses on Highway 65, 65 Vines, and keeping local thinking, eating, drinking, local board mentality, we thought, gosh, we love the outdoors. We're kind of involved in the Connecticut River Land Trust. Um, let's name our wines after what's going on, goes down at the Connecticut River, the Kinney. So, um, you know, we have wines in, in the right. Uh, white wine uh, category of Upper Creek, uh, which is always kind of fun. You kind of <laughs> kayaking, maybe canoeing, and kind of get in a tough spot. Um, Chippy Canoe, uh, which is which is great. Um, um, the one that got away is just a fishing story, so wh- why not? <laughs> and there's nothing on there for for a logo on on the bottle because there's nothing to show. It got away. So, um, I love it. Yeah, and then you know people of course come here really to uh, trout fish, so dry fly um, and they have a fish lure and i got called out the other day by a customer saying you need one that has a kayak specific name so we're working on that you know maybe a, a bent paddle or something we'll, we'll come up Very with something cool. fun um and on the red the red variety uh, that we have this year is uh kinney river red so it's just kind of a fun play on on the kinney and um more wines will be coming out maybe in more even balance in futures of three four reds three four whites and so uh, to be continued on All the right. naming yeah. uh i guess yeah do you guys have uh, i guess staples or flagship wines that you're going to re- be making every year and then maybe branching out into some other stuff for fun or yeah definitely um you know we're kind of seeing how interest and sales and you know again the the perception of what we like and versus what people like are gonna kind of all turn out after this first year and we'll let the dust settle and kind of recount the numbers but you know kinney river red's probably going to be a name that's going to stick around for a while you know tippy canoe and upper creek seem to be pretty popular as well um so we'll kind of have to play with with what what we make in the future and what we name it um okay for sure, and as our grapes come on board, we'll probably have a reserve and a state, you know, name, um, grown variety, and we'll have fun from there. So, awesome, yeah. awesome. Uh, what kind of distribution are you doing, like right now? Are you distributing it at all right now? You know, right now we're we're just uh, trying to focus on people come out and okay. get the whole experience on our, our property, um, see sixty five vines winery, talk about you know the vineyard, um, see kind of what we've done and where we want to be, um, and share our vision that way. Um, come end of November when we close the doors um, with having a great partnership with Historic Casanova's Liquor over in Hudson. We'll probably do distribution there. Uh, okay. And the real focus is if we distribute to any place, we'd love to have their staff, the owners, come out and talk about, again, us, learn a lot about us so they can really speak to the product when it awesome. is in the shelves and the customer comes in. They'll say, hundreds of bottles of wine, why should I pick 65 Vines Winery? Mm-hmm. And they'll be able to speak to that a little bit. You know? Okay. Uh, and I guess, what's your capacity now? Like, how many bottles are you putting out? I mean, this is first year of actual production, right? So. Yeah, so first year of production, we're, you know, about 2,200 bottles, so about 175 cases, so very small, um, five different um, varietals. Um, so, you know, just custom batch. Everything's hand-touched many times, very artisan, yeah. you know, craft. Um, and then with some of our sponsorship levels um, that I kind of alluded to before, we're, we're actually looking at production being um, – you know, somewhere in the range of about 700 gallons, um, and so more like 3,500 bottles, and maybe tipping about 300 cases. So, uh, ramping up, and, yeah. And just with any small startup business, um, you know, it just kind of grows in little steps. You know, keep it keep it as small as you can while you go along. And exactly, I, I talk to people we're kind of uh, the little engine that could winery. You know, <laughs> um, there's other people with bigger budgets and many investors, and that's all great. But uh, you know, that's just kind of our little niche and what we want to do. And so we're just kind of 
living the American dream and trying to start this thing small and grow from there. That's awesome. Uh, it, well, uh, since we keep bringing it up and alluding to it, what are these, uh, like, I guess, sponsorship opportunities? Yeah, yeah, um, great question. So what, we, uh, what we've done with uh, the production side, the wine production side, is uh, we have a thing called Barrel Club. And so, for example, Casey, if you'd like to you know, get um, some wine from me, if you give me $500, that was the cost a okay. winery owner would cost to buy a barrel, um, I will give you that back in wine over the next four years. So year okay. one is $200 in wine, and then years two, three, and four is $100. So after four years, you get that $500 investment back. Awesome. Worth of wine. Um, you can pick reds or whites. And um, it's kind of fun. And then, you know, once, once a month, you can come out and have free tastings, which typically costs you $6. Um, and then annually, we do like a December barrel club, you know, fun social, some, uh, it'll, some nicer, uh, nicer foods, some nicer finger foods, if you will. Um, and people kind of, you know, get a little dressed, dressed up and kind of yuck it up a little bit. And, and you have a personalized plaque on your barrel. So at the end of the four years, that barrel is yours. So if you want to, you know, bring it back to your fine establishment here and, um, you know, make a table out of it, put some bar stools around it. And now you have a oak barrel kind of bar awesome. table or whatever you want to do with it. It's what, oh, well, I guess what size barrels are we talking here? Uh, we're talking the Bordeaux, Bordeaux 60 gallon, okay. uh, white oak, you know, typical wine barrels. Um, so that's kind of a fun process. So essentially it's a, you know, $300 short-term loan, um, until I can kind of get more barrels on board and just yeah. keep that flow going. So two barrels last year is now up to almost eight barrels this year. So awesome. So here we go. And so as we start getting, you know, previous places where I worked at other wineries, it was two barrels became 12 and 24 and when I left. And now they're at 48. So when you have an annual December Club barrel, I meaning it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Know, couples can come or, you know, an individual and a significant other, et cetera. And you kind of a fun event. And there's bantering over which barrel they're going to put their sign on. And <laughs> different barrels of different flavors and toasting. And so people are kind of lots of jockeying going on in the, in the tasting room. It's a lot of fun. That's, fun that day. sounds like a lot of fun. And then the other thing on the vineyard side, um, we call it adoptive vine, so people can actually uh, kind of like you see in the park, uh, a paver in the park or, or a bench uh, named after a business or a memory of somebody. Um, we thought, why not make a, a fun little sign that people can actually stake uh, ups up there year-round, and that's their vine. So for $50, you can adopt a vine or a person can adopt a vine on behalf of somebody else. And there's been some fun some fun feedback on that. And a portion of the proceeds go to, again, the Kinnickinnick River Land Trust. So okay. We're into the whole conservation side of, of things that way locally. Um, so it's been fun to see people with their sayings on their signs, their creativity, uh, you know, in memory of people. I had one lady, she, she loved beagles, so she named all of her beagles' names on and the, the vine, <laughs> Paula Robles, California. And so it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. People kind of take an idea we have and how they kind of spin off and what, how they use it. And, awesome. And, Very cool. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, I guess, where can people find you online? Uh, Great, yeah. People can find us on Facebook uh, and Twitter, uh, 65 Vines Winery, and then also at 65vines.com uh, website. And um, I have to get back on uh, the owner, my wife, uh, with her, her blogging. Um, she's had some fun, creative blogs in the past, but uh, we've been kind of juggling a few things, if you will, yeah. in the recent past. So we'll hopefully do some more regular blog updates this winter and get people excited about reading about that, too. So. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, well, I've... I, I really can't wait to go out there. Uh, I don't know if I'll make it out this year, but for sure next year I'll have to make it out and try some wine and stuff. It yeah. sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And wine's something I should probably just get into anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very hip. It's very trendy. And, you know, uh, I'm not that old, but uh, gosh, back in the 20s and 30s, uh, 20 and 30-year-olds are really, you know, kind of jumping onto a lot more, you know, back even 10, 15 years ago when I was kind of in that that group. And so... It's exciting to talk to people who are just kind of tasting their first wines and people who have been very experienced wine drinkers and seeing, you know, how they're 
their pairings and profiles are all over the place, and it's yeah. fun. It's, it's kind of a lifestyle. I tell people. <laughs> it's a lot. That's what I need. Another lifestyle change. <laughs> <laughs> Discovered craft beer and look at me now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it se- it seems like you're definitely uh, going into that that artisan niche that's really popping up around here, and that I I love it. Yep. And the other thing, fun thing I'll mention too, beside our distribution piece and, and when our taste room closes the end of the month here, end of November, um, have right have some other engagements and people, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll keep approaching us or we'll offer that uh, that of services to go out and talk to people, do the, uh, you know, people's homes or for fundraisers, do the, you know, the wine dinners, do the uh, talking about the agricultural education, the winemaking side, maybe more of a formal PowerPoint or some fun slideshows and just doing some offsite tastings. Okay. So maybe I need to come to you and kind yeah, of there get you all go. your friends together and we can kind of have a little fun night with some local foods and kind of, you know, bring the, the wine and cider. And, that, could, that could be a lot and, of fun. We'll uh, have to talk about chat that. It up that way, so. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you for coming down. I really appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, I, everyone go check out his website and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see where you guys go. Very good. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Have a great day. All right. And yeah, that was Scott. Uh, I'm really excited to go check out all of the wines and things. That was a fun interview. Fun. Yeah. Uh, and after the interview, he was uh, he was talking and he's like, yeah, during the winter, I want to do like some you know food pairing stuff. So I'm going to see maybe if we can get a group together and maybe do some sort of wine wine food tasting with him so that could be fun well that's a subject i'd probably fail at horribly what you like food and you like alcohol well i'm not a fan of wine and like i can't i don't think i could do a wine tasting at all you don't think so no i think it would i'd just be really really bad would you try i would try i would try my damnedest good see that's all we ask carlos that's all we ask here maybe like uh, this yeah swish it around my mouth and then you spit it out in the bottle i refuse to spit out well yeah i suppose i wouldn't have to worry about that at all yeah no that's not a thing we do but yeah like drink it like well this is certainly a wine and i'd probably be as much detail as to go into kind of similar to like my when i talk about beers and what i taste except even less so yeah it's even less descriptive We need to get you on Homebrew Bound some more so you can actually start tasting beers and talking about it and forcing you to talk about it. Because I feel like you have the ta- you have the palate there, Carlos. You just gotta we just gotta evolve it just a little bit. I just don't have the words to describe the specific yeah. taste. Yeah, that's it. All I right. use words, but that that don't exactly match. This is true. This is true. All right. Uh, well, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, next week we'll be talking with Russ from Common Man Brewing which is the new brew pub in Ellsworth, Wisconsin. Um, the Department of Offense is live every Saturday. I'm not sure what time we're going up next Saturday. I will not be here, but uh, Matt and Carlos will be. So. I might not be. Okay, well, Matt will be here for sure. You yep. better be. Uh, if you have any feedback on this episode or any other shows or sh- any show ideas or guests you'd like to see on the show, go ahead and send us an email at feedback at You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash you follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. Also, if you feel like supporting the show, uh, go ahead and visit patreon.com slash blind studios. Check that out. Watch the video there. It's like a recurring donation thing. Uh, even a buck a month helps a lot. Uh, and then if you're going to do any Amazon shopping, I know holiday shopping's coming up. So before you go do that, head on over to blindnewsstudios.com. Click on the Amazon link at the bottom of the homepage. And then do your holiday shopping. We get a bit of a cut of that. Helps us out. Uh, and it's super easy for you. 
So, yeah, uh, I'll see you guys next week. Oh, man, I won't. Oh. At some point in the future.